0: Well, let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 28 this morning. That a That's a clue. There you go. We're going to look at the first 5 verses of Exodus 28. And um so uh question for you, you don't have to answer out loud, but you can ponder this for the moment. What does it mean to consecrate yourself to God? Um, consecrate is uh, maybe a $2 word, but uh, we don't, kind of like uh, uh, Dave mentioned, benevolence isn't necessarily a part of our normal vernacular, but uh, consecrate is uh, one of those words as well. There there are... Uh, Another one is to uh, sanctify, um, is similar to it, and um, so we're going we're gonna to actually talk about that today a little bit, and uh, you, the passage this morning has to do with consecration, something being, or someone uh, being consecrated to God, and so we're going to take a look at that, and, and uh, I want to ask the Lord just to lead us into that this morning. Father, as we turn to Your Word, Your Word is a treasure for us. It is Your words, Lord, that are full of life and truth <clears throat> to those who receive them. Lord, we ask that our hearts and minds would be open to receive them today. And Lord, by Your Word and by Your Spirit that You would teach us and reveal Yourself to us. That our our lives would be brought um, Lord, into submission to to your lordship, to your will, to your purpose. Lord, teach us today about consecrating ourselves to you, what that means, what it looks like. And Lord, just to ask that you would be um, Lord of of us here today collectively as we gather in your name. And it's in the name of Jesus that we ask this. Amen. Consecrated to God is the theme today. And um, starting in Exodus chapter 28, verse 1, here we've gone through uh, essentially the uh, uh, layout for the design as the Lord has given instruction for the design of the tabernacle, which is a temporary um, temple, if you will. Uh, It is a portable temple uh, where worship and sacrifice is done, and then there are those who within the temple, within the tabernacle, is what it's called here. Uh, later, there's an actual construction of a temple that's a permanent structure. Here, it's called the tabernacle or tent of meeting, and um, there are, are priests assigned to um, to duties in the tabernacle. This is where God makes His presence. Manifestly known, and where he, um, where covenant relationship with with God, it kind of centers around the activity of the tabernacle, um, sacrifice for sin, sacrificial uh, offerings for thanksgiving, and uh, and 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 it's a central part of the life of God's people. So if you um, if you were a, a Jew living among the people here. Uh, the tabernacle would have become a, the central part of your life activity. Uh, not necessarily that you were there every day, um, but that it would, it would have such a powerful orienting presence in your life because that's where, uh, first of all, that's where God made himself manifestly known among his people. It was the reminder of his presence with his people. It's where God would communicate with his people. Uh, it's also the place where you would go to deal with sin. Uh, it's the place where you would go to offer thankfulness to God, and um, so so it is a a very central, very very central part of of their life activity, more so than um, than I would say our uh, say this church building is for us so there's a lot of things that we do where this this place sort of connects us through various events and activities that we do together but much more than that would have been the tabernacle in the life of of israel and so this is a uh, the role here that we're going to be discussing of the priests then becomes such a significant role in the life of israel Exodus chapter 28, verse 1. Then bring near to you Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. So one thing to note is that the, the, the priestly line was chosen by God, uh, not by... Um, political influence or, or posturing, uh, not by who had the power, um, not by who had the money, uh, not by family name. Uh, this was God chose who it was that was going to serve Him and, uh, and the Israelites as priests. Verse 2, um, and you shall make... Holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with the spirit of with a spirit of skill, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make: a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. Now there's a, uh, we're, we're in the midst of a a, a passage that on a drive-by um, could, could be a bit of a snoozer. Um. As, as you read, read through this part of Exodus and you're reading about the priestly garments, um, it, it it can be difficult to keep your eyes from maybe rolling into the back of your head um, because it gets into the weeds of what some of these garments would have been, what the design was and what they were made of. And But there are going to be some things that we're going to key in on here as we work our way through this passage. Uh, and we'll, we'll look at the particular garments themselves um, here coming up, not today, um, but I will note that we'll, we're going to find these um, uh, within, within the layout of, of the purpose of each garment, we're going to find that there's a purpose in there that is very significant that flows out of what we're going to talk today. Uh, today we're going to talk about that consecrating to God of the priests. And um, the garments then have a lot to do with that consecration because there's, there are duties and responsibilities and devotions uh, on the part of the priests that, are, that need to be maintained throughout their life and throughout their duty in order to serve God and serve the people faithfully and well. And uh, so, so before, you, uh, before you you, take a big yawn as we start to talk about garments and the, the materials used in making those garments, just know there's some really good meat on the bone as we get in here. So today, as we look at the first five verses and we look at God choosing the priests, these are the ones who are going to uh, sometimes speak on behalf of Yahweh, they're going to lead the covenant relationship of the people with Yahweh, um, they're going to be the ones who are the mediators between uh, God and mankind. The ones who are going to help mankind come to a place where they can have their sin dealt with so that they can be, walk in covenant faithfulness with their covenant God. The priests are also, they, they find themselves in an interesting position where they are both Servants of Yahweh and servants of the people. Um, their, their role is, is to be um, the, a connection between God and mankind. Now, not, this is not in and of themselves uh, like we should think of the priests as, oh, they must have some incredible thing to offer that they can be the go-between. No, it's they are to make themselves available So that the needs of the people can be dealt with before a holy and righteous God, who has called them into covenant faithfulness, and they're to be available to do whatever God is, uh, whatever God purposes them to do. Um, And and they are to be in verse two. We see that there are special garments that are being made for Aaron and for his sons to perform their duties as the priests. It says they're to be holy garments. Um, for glory and for beauty. For for the garments to be holy, um, here is not speaking of a sinless quality, but rather a set-apart quality. That these are garments that have a purpose. Their purpose is founded in what Yahweh is saying and, and the work that He has for them to do. And so the garments themselves signify that that these individuals are called for a purpose that belongs to God. And the garments are to reflect that. And when it says for glory and for beauty, um, this is not to adorn the priests so that they just stand out and look really sharp or just to announce to the the world, hey, these are really special people. Um, This is much more than that. This is a way of, of designating them as belonging to the purpose of God. Now, we all know that these are are human beings. And human beings are prone to make a lot of mistakes. So, the responsibility being put upon them is a a huge one. Um, I I think all all of us probably share with some concern when we hear that that much responsibility is entrusted to individuals. We all go, whew. I wouldn't want that, right? And and, and we get a little afraid that, okay, there's a lot that can go wrong here. Well, there is a lot that does go wrong. Just so you know, if you continue reading through the Old Testament, there is a lot of stuff that goes wrong. Um, But these people are chosen by God and as they walk in covenant faithfulness with Him and humility before Him, they serve the people and and help them to maintain a covenant relationship with God and become God's enemies ambassadors God's mediators to his people and the clothing here signifies that purpose remember the tabernacle is constructed um, one of the things that we've been noting is that the tabernacle is constructed in such a way the design in such a way that it reflects that heaven has come to earth so there are heavenly realities that are um, uh, displayed through earthly things so the earthly design reflects heavenly realities, and the, the, the glory and beauty of the garments here are to reflect that heavenly purpose for which the priests have been called to serve. And what you will find as you go into, uh, then into verses four and five, and you, especially in verse five, where you read about the materials used, you're going to see a strong likeness. To the way in verse, in chapter twenty six is, is described about the construction and design of the tabernacle itself that you 're going to find similar a similar description of materials used in the in the construction of the tabernacle, and so there is a harmony between the design of the tabernacle and the design of the priestly garments uh, because the the duties and the responsibilities the calling of the priests have everything to do with what God is doing in the tabernacle. Now, um, one thing that is noted in verse 3 here is that you shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill. Now, this is uh, something that we'll find a few times through the Old Testament is is this reminder that uh, God gifts and chooses people for various purposes. Here, there's a focus in this passage on the priests whom God has chosen to serve Him and to serve Israel. Uh, But there's also a mention of another group of individuals that not much is said of them here, but another group of individuals who have a glorious purpose as well and a calling as well that is different and that difference is that they are, they've been given a special gifting, a special ability, a special wisdom as it relates to just building things, making things. Um, and um, God has gifted them with a specific talent, and through their talent, they serve the people of God, they serve the living God himself. Um, were there not these uh, folks who could pull off who had been specially gifted to pull off the design that God is giving to His people, um, the the priest would certainly not be walking around in anything that looked like like if I were given the responsibility of like weaving together whatever these priests are going to wear, um, it probably wouldn't even be decent. I mean, I, I like just getting getting it put together here would not be something I can pull off let alone to reflect the glorious purpose for which God is designing it here. And so they have been uh, skilled for that. And and this is, I just think, is a reminder that in the body of Christ, in the family of God, that we each are given a purpose and a role in the family of God. And they're different. Sometimes there's some slop over in what we... And what responsibilities and duties and, and skill that God has given us to accomplish things in the body of Christ. But sometimes it's just, we just do different stuff. God's wired us that way, He's gifted us specifically to do different things within the body of Christ and all for His glory and for His purpose. And here, they are skilled at making the garments here for the priests to consecrate them for priesthood. Um, that is, what the word consecrate here, um, you, it may be translated differently in, in your particular translation. Uh, sometimes it is, is translated uh, sanctify or uh, to make holy, to, uh, here to consecrate. It is to distinguish, to set apart that, that their role um, is a special one that is chosen by God. They are to be distinguished from, uh, um, from everyone else in, in this duty. And so the idea of being consecrated is that they're sort of separated out from, from, from the rest for this purpose. And the clothing is to signify that. They are devoted to serve Yahweh. They are devoted to, um, to serve the people. They are purposed to God. Now this is something that the Bible speaks a lot about and not just, especially uh, in the New Testament. And then one interesting thing in the New Testament after the coming of Christ is it's a consecration that's applied to, to everyone. In fact, Peter says that we're a, a royal priesthood. That those who believe in Jesus we are, are we're the ones who are called to represent Him to be his ambassadors to the lost world. There's a, a story I wanted to share with you about a guy that you, whose name is uh, probably very familiar to you, even if you don't know much of who he is, but uh, an evangelist um, at the, towards the end of the uh, 1800s there um, who, who reached a lot of people with the gospel. And in fact, his, his legacy of reaching people with the gospel is, is still reaching people with the gospel, though he is, uh, has long since been uh, taken home by the Lord. His name is D.L. Moody. And it was, I uh, just want to read this little snippet uh, about D.L. Moody. It says, uh, It was in 1873 in Dublin that D.L. Moody heard British evangelist Henry Varley utter those life-changing words, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to Him. It was after an all-night prayer meeting in Dublin at the home of Henry Buley Varley, did not even remember making the statement when Moody reminded him of it a year later, As I crossed the wide Atlantic, Moody said, the boards of the deck were engraved with them. And when I reached Chicago, the very paving stones seemed marked with them. The result? Moody decided he was involved in too many ministries to be effective and therefore began to concentrate on evangelism. What happened was... uh, Henry Varley said, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to God. And it had such a weight on D.L. Moody that he applied that to something very good. His ministry. And he decided, my ministry needs to be set apart and devoted to the purpose of God. And in the process of that, it caused him to focus in on his calling to share the gospel. He was involved in a lot of, um, uh, uh, of things that were a ministry to, to uh, poor and uh, to impoverished peoples and to, um, to kids from really rough backgrounds and families. And it was at this point here where he recognized, hey, my purpose that God has called me to is to reach the world with the gospel. What will God do with a person who is fully and wholly consecrated to Him? It seems D.L. Moody set out to find out what happens when you give everything to the Lord. When you, when you designate everything as belonging to Him. When you designate your life. When you designate uh, your heart, your mind, um, your marriage, your children, your home, your occupation, uh, your finances. Um, when you designate everything as belonging to the Lord for His glorious purpose, you know John in John uh, chapter 17, Jesus asked the Father to consecrate his followers. Look at I'm going to ask you to turn with me to these passages today, John chapter 17. So Jesus, as He is um, nearing the moment of, of His sacrificial death on the cross, He's praying to the Father. And here's this is a part of His prayer. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As You sent Me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Um, one interesting note here is that we have a word that is translated a couple different ways in the ESV, but it's the same word. Um, and in verse seventeen is uh, translated sanctify, um, and then in uh, verse eighteen. And Jesus says, for their sake, I consecrate myself. That's the same word, consecrate. They, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Same word. Jesus is asking the Father to separate His followers out of a world that is heading towards condemnation and God's wrath. To, to separate out believers as belonging to God to sanctify, to consecrate, to separate out, to set apart. In fact, Jesus said this was his purpose, that he, for their sake, for, the, for our sake, that Jesus set himself apart to do the Father's will, and that was to lay his life down for ours so that we would be sanctified set apart consecrated in the truth and see that, see how Jesus links that with the truth sanctify them in the truth your word is truth jesus asked the father to do this very thing and he set himself apart to accomplish it chapter in ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 Turn there here. There's a discussion, uh, an instruction being given to husbands and wives uh, about the marriage relationship and about the responsibility and role of the husbands and the wives. And it's in that context then um, that we have have the Apostle Paul share this. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So there's a a comparison given, an instruction given, a, a model given husbands of here's how to love your wives and the example is how Christ loves the church and how did Christ love the church he gave himself up for the church he laid his life down as a sacrifice to save the lost to bring them into his family to make us holy and pure before a righteous God. Jesus gave himself in order to consecrate, to sanctify, to set apart the church, and husbands are to live in such a way with their wives that they have a goal to bring out that glorious purpose that God has for their wives by showing the same kind of love towards them. First Corinthians chapter six we're there's some more spoken of on this issue of sanctifying or consecrating, being consecrated to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So he makes pretty clear those who walk in these things apart from the, the saving grace of Christ have the destination of, of hell being eternally separated from God. But look what he says in verse 11. And such were some of you. Th- this, this is where you were. Walking in this path. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So, that, that's who you were, but God has saved you and made you something new and different in Christ. You have been consecrated out of that into something glorious and eternal, into eternal life from darkness to light, um, from, from death and sin into life and freedom in Christ, that Jesus Christ has consecrated you out of that life and out of that condemnation into the family of God. There's two parts. There are two parts to um, consecration that we're going to talk about: uh, consecration or sanctification. Here, there there are kind of two aspects of it, and uh, I, I've mentioned this before. But there are um, there is a positional component to it. That is something that is is just it's just true. Is not it's un, an unchanging truth. Um, about you and then there is a developing component to that something that is ongoing and happening right now even as we speak so on the one hand we have god consecrates us he he, he separates us out of that that sinful world that we were operating in that 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 portion of humanity that continues to walk in rejection and rebellion to god He he plucked us out of that. He saved us out of that. Separated us out of that. And brought us into His family. Adopted us into His family. Making us His his own. And and giving giving us eternal life. Forgiveness of sin. Those things are positionally true. We have become children of God. Though we were enemies of God, we have now been made children of God. That is positionally true. That is who you are. Whether you feel like it or not doesn't matter. That doesn't change that. You are God's child if you have been saved by Christ. So that is a positional truth that God has plucked you out of something and brought you into something better. God has brought you into His family. He has consecrated you out of the unholy into the holy. And then there is that developing component. That is that there's an ongoing consecration happening, an ongoing sanctification happening where you and I as now belonging to God are figuring out by the Spirit of God and by His Word how to now live in a way where we're purposing every aspect of ourselves to Him so that our life, our being, everything we do reflects what God has already done. God has saved us and made us His own, and now we have this um, ongoing uh, objective to live it out. What does it mean now to belong to God in everything we do? In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, One of the things that Peter um, talks about under the inspiration of God here is, is suffering that um, well, I guess in the, to boil it down, that our, our suffering would be consecrated to God. Um, he says, there's a type of suffering that's not consecrated to God. That's the kind where you've, you've you sort of hit your own thumb with your hammer, and now it hurts. And you deserved it because you hit your own thumb with the hammer. Uh, so there's a suffering that's like that. And he said there's really no there's no gain or benefit from that. When we mess up and then we suffer for it, we're just getting what was coming around to us anyways. But he said there is a type of suffering that happens when we commit our lives to the Lord. And that suffering is consecrated to God. But he makes a comment about in the midst of that, how we are to operate. And here in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Um, that there in verse fifteen, uh, what in the ESV is translated to "honor Christ" in your hearts, honor Christ. Um, that that term is like what we're talking about here in these other passages—that separating out, that setting apart. Uh, in fact, I think in the NIV, the one I I, where I admit. Memorized that passage. It says to set apart Christ as Lord. Um, and so we have that term to honor Christ in your hearts. This, it's a, the idea of consecrating your heart. Purposing in your heart to Him. So there's this, we are consecrated to God dynamic. And then there is this, we are consecrating ourselves to Him our hearts our minds our whole life our whole being that we're giving it over to him and in our hearts here peter is saying to make your set your hearts have christ set apart and consecrated in your heart so that you're prepared for what's going to come when you enter those periods of suffering and people question you about why you still have hope in second timothy chapter 2 verse 19 the this whole this whole passage uh really is about um having ourselves set apart for the purpose of God in Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone whose names, who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Uh, what, what's being shared here with, um, by the Apostle Paul is that, uh, that we have a calling in Christ to live for him. And if we are to be useful in His kingdom, useful to Him, if we are to bring glory to Him, then it means we set our, ourselves apart for Him. And so that first verse that we read there, that, that first call is, uh, let everyone who's na- who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity to leave sin behind. Part of consecrating ourselves to the Lord is leaving sin behind us and not walk, continuing to walk in sin so that um, we can be prepared to do the work that God has prepared for us to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, of uh, course, 8 and 9 says that he's saved us by His grace through faith in Christ, but He's given us a glorious purpose now because He has good works that He's laid out for us to walk in. And if we're to be prepared for those good works that God has laid out for us to walk in, uh, then it, that it involves turning away from sin and, and setting the direction of our life toward pleasing Him. And in such a way, then, we become a vessel for honorable use that's set apart as holy, useful to the Master, our Master, our Lord and Savior. Verse 22, So flee f- youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents Uh, with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to, to their senses and escape from the snares of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. There is a description here of walk in this, don't walk in that. And it's not being laid out as a series of, of do's and don'ts, but as in if you want to walk in a way that, that where you are ready to do the good works God has laid out for you, then prepare yourself by leaving sin in the past and walking now in the stuff of God. Faith, love, peace, not being quarrelsome. These sorts of things. We are to consecrate everything to Christ. And this is an ongoing process that takes a whole lifetime to figure out. Uh, I've been I've I've been in this journey uh, since I came to Christ, and and I I still I don't feel. To be quite honest with you, I don't feel any closer to accomplishing this than the day I came to Christ. In fact, I may have been more confident the day I came to Christ that I might actually accomplish it than I am today. The reality is that with each passing day that I purpose myself to the Lord, He exposes some things in my life that have not been devoted to Him, where I have held them for my glorious purpose. Sometimes unwittingly, and I didn't realize it. Um, it's not like I had some evil. I have some evil scheme going um, that I've worked out in my head here. Sometimes the Lord just goes, "Hey, what about that? You've never given me that." And then I go, "Oh, that! I didn't know you wanted that too." It's everything. In fact, this week, as many of you know, uh, the the parsonage that we're living in is getting ready to have a lot of work done. It requires us to move out. And so we're in the process of kind of making that happen. And uh, I'm just going to say, sometimes it gets a little tense around the house. (laughs) If you've ever had to move, uh, tension can come with that. And um, so as I'm preparing for the message... um, it kind of, Lord was kind of impress, impressing on me, like, you know, you know, this is not just for them. This is for you too. Uh, this little word here, it comes back around to the guy in the mirror. And um, and I just started asking him, Lord, what does it mean to consecrate packing up the house and moving? What does that mean to consecrate that to you? What does it mean to, for this whole process to be consecrated to you? And I'm not going to tell you I have all the answer to that right now. So don't, I mean, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to share with you if you ask me for the answer. Um, I'm just telling you, I'm recognizing that in the process of that, it's boiling up some stuff in my heart and my mind that needs to be set apart for His purpose and not mine. And our life is going to be like that a constant stream of learning how to take parts of our life that we haven't previously devoted to Him. And how to now give it over to Him. That it glorify Him. And work towards the Kingdom of God. And there are three tools I want to give you this morning to help you do that. Uh, these probably are not the only tools that God has given you uh, to, be, to help you walk in a consecrated way to set your life apart for Him. But I think these are three uh, invaluable tools that God has given us That we would walk consecrated to Him. Uh, In fact, one of the things I wanted to share with you, as we kind of wrap things up here, is in the um, in Acts chapter two. uh, You you can turn there if you want to. uh, But Acts chapter two, verse forty-two. There's something really in all the beginning of Acts. There's something quite incredible happening, where the gospel is cutting to the core of lost people. And they're turning to God in repentance and faith in Christ. And then they're starting to gather to figure out uh, and how do we live out being now a part of the family of God, followers of Jesus Christ, our lives having been rescued out of uh, where we were in, in sin and darkness and now brought into the marvelous light of Christ and the family of God. Now, how do we purpose ourselves to live this out? And here is one of the things that that happened in Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. These are, are what they recognized were invaluable for them to do in order to now walk in a consecrated way as belonging to God devoted to Him. So, echoing what's happening in Acts 2.42, I want to leave you with these three things that um, to incorporate into your daily life. One is prayer. It is, um, it is very challenging to, to uh, surrender your life to God, walk in a surrendered way to Him, and to know what it is that, that He's wanting from you each and every day, and, and to know where those Places are in your heart and in your mind and in your life that you may be keeping closed off from Him, those things that you're not devoting to Him if you're not talking to Him and not listening to Him. Prayer brings us into a humble place before our Lord uh, where we recognize He has the rights to our life. He has the Lordship right to our, to our world, to our being. And, we, and in prayer, we recognize that. That's that's where we come to him for his input, for his answers, for his direction. The second one is repentance. And I think all all three of these that I'm going to mention to you are so intertwined. But um, repentance, that's when we recognize where we've screwed up and we confess it to him, where we are willing to change direction when he points out that we need to change direction. Um, sometimes it's a sin habit, sometimes it's just a habit that we've started carving out that that maybe the world wouldn't recognize as good or bad. Maybe they would even say it's good. In D.L. Moody's case, he took a look at that and consecrating his ministry to God and said, I'm doing too much here and God wants me to focus in on this one thing. So repentance is changing direction when God brings your attention to something in your life where you just need to change direction for His sake, for His glory, for His purpose. It may well be that you're doing something that the world and even the church look at and go, that's fantastic. And you bring it before the Lord and He goes, that is, look, you're like playing goalie, but I, I have you on a baseball team. So, you're, you'd be a great goalie, but that's not, I have you on a baseball diamond. So, Your glorious purpose needs to be His glorious purpose, not the one you want to do. Right? So make sure that your purpose and His is in alignment. And the third one is His Word, Scripture. Devotion to Scripture. This is God's Word, Uh, as Susie shared earlier. This is this is a treasure that He's given to you. He's spoken already so much he continues to speak but this we can't depart from this he's spoken everything he wants us to know right here he, he'll add to that some a little bit with uh understanding of the holy that the holy spirit brings and and as we continue to walk with him and some insight um, but he has spoken already and he continues to speak through his word if we'll listen, it's, it's like you know, you, you, um, you got, I don't know, some, uh, uh, you ordered something off of Amazon, right? And it comes unassembled. And so, you being a, the guy that you are, mechanically inclined and prideful in your ability to figure out how things work, you start putting it together and then you get to the end and realize it doesn't work. You're like, this thing's broken. Oftentimes the answer lies in the directions. Right, the guy who designed it said, "Here's how you do it. If you do it a different way, don't expect it to work right." Right, God has already laid out. When we start asking the question of what does God want me to do, where does God want me to go? Ah, I don't. I just. What is His will for my life? And my first place to point you is right here. He has told you, O oh man, what is good what is right, how to walk with him. So listen to him before you start searching out what um, important people say, what philosophers say, um, all the, the tickling of ears that happens through all of that. The first place to go is what God has already said for you to listen to. Those three things, if you will walk in them and cultivate them into your every day, um, they will help you to walk a path that is consecrated to Him. That it should be the goal of us every day. And I, um, ever since I heard it, it echoes in my brain the comment that propelled uh, D.L. Moody um, from, from Henry Varley there. The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Let's live with the desire to find out, shall we? Lord, we thank you for for all that you have done for us, for calling us out of darkness, into your marvelous light. For calling us out of um, the entrapment of our sin and setting us free from that. From calling us out of death into life. Lord, we ask you that you would help us to walk worthy of this gift that you've given us. To walk separated out of for your purposes Uh, Lord even our Savior prayed not that you would remove believers from this world but that we would be separated out from the world in order to live out your glorious purpose among the world that so desperately needs you Lord help us to walk in your ways teaching us every day as you patiently and kindly do Lord, help us to live lives that are consecrated to you and for this church body to be consecrated to you in everything that we do. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me. Well, a question for you to ponder this week. Have you consecrated yourself to God? Uh, have you devoted your whole being to Him? Does He have full access to you? Every part of you. Uh, to your thoughts, your desires, your relationships, uh, your marriage, your kids, your finances, your home, your occupation, your skills, your abilities, your health, your future, your past. Does he have access to all of it? That is, um, it's kind of a facetious question. He does have access to it. Uh, But have you surrendered yourself to that, to walk in submission to his lordship? Let him uh, help you in that endeavor because what you'll find is a sweetness as you grow closer to the Lord and learn how to hand those things over. You'll find a release of some of the anxiety and stress and Uh, frustration that come in living in a world where you hold on to everything So let the lord fill you with his spirit and help you to walk in that And walk in with faithfulness to him and humility and submission to his lordship in your life Lord bless and keep you